Earth, Ecology, Biodiversity, Sustainability, Environment, Regenerative Agriculture, Animals, Indigenous Land Rights, Climate Change. The podcast dedicated to these topics and more. Topics that are arguably among the most important issues of our time. The Ecolibrium Radio Podcast with your host, Ryan Young. We have a great show for you today, so stay tuned. We're going to knock your socks off with an interview with Jean-Martin Fortier, who is the celebrated author and farmer of places like Ferme Catertin and uh, books like The Market Gardener. And uh, I sat down with him after he spoke at the event Natural Ma Saint Anne in Saint Anne de Bellevue. So here is that interview now. This is Ryan Young for Ecolibrium on CKUT 90.3 FM, and I'm here with Jean Martin Fortier, who recently spoke at Natural Ma Saint Anne in Saint Anne de Bellevue. And uh, he is a well known farmer in the Quebec area, and he is also the author of The Market Gardener and a number of other books in French. And uh, his farm has a intensive course. Uh, so there's a lot going on with Jean-Martin, so we're going to hear about it today. How are you doing today? I am good, Ryan. How are you? Very good. So <coughs> I, I guess um, maybe we start off with what's the current projects you're involved in right now? Well, I still teach the, uh, the master class. It's the online course. It's actually now in 88 countries, and uh, it's a course that I have developed over the last six years, so five years of filming and editing, and it's basically the course is step-by-steps of all the things that I do on my farm, going into the nitty-gritty details of each of the, the crops, how to seed, how to keep them clean, how to cultivate, how to you know prep the soil, all of the details. So that's occupying a big part of my time, and I have a whole team with me that's developing this. We just launched a scholarship, so there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into that. So we have 20 people that will get uh, free access to the the master class, and uh, it's a worldwide launch. Every time we do something, it's in English and it's in French and it's in all these countries. So the web allows us to do that, but there's a lot of work that goes into coordinating that. So I'm I'm kind of helping out on that end, and I'm still involved at the other farm project, which uh, is the FQT farm, the farm that perhaps some people in Montreal would know about when we're at Jean Talon Farmer's Market, Saturday and Sunday, Ferme Quatre Temps. I'm helping transition. I, you know, leadership is not me full-time anymore. I've, you know, I've worked with the person that's, that took my place as the main, the main farmer there for the vegetable part. And so I'm, I'm freeing up space and time to actually open a restaurant. <laughs> and it's kind of the first time that I talk about this, but uh, it's going to be a farm-to-table restaurant near where I live. And I'm developing four-season farming for, to supply the restaurant year-round with local ingredients. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, and um, was that always somewhat in the back of your mind as something you wanted to do, or did it evolve over time? Yeah, well, a lot of my work uh, over the years has been working with chefs, uh, really developing 
an expertise about how to really supply them efficiently, also looking into different cultivars, really looking at what, what are, you know, being at their service for all these years, going into kitchen, understanding how they operate, what their needs are. It really got me fascinated by that whole universe. And at one point, I, I didn't want to go into Montreal anymore. So I wanted to come back home in the eastern townships where I am and where my home farm is. And um, yeah, when I decided that, it became clear that my wife and I, you know, after not working together for all these years, it, it was uh, when you have too many roosters in the hen. I was like, I got to do my own project. <laughs> For sure. And I, and I guess always driving into Montreal and doing these deliveries, that can get taxing after a while. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I loved all these years that I spent in Montreal, going to these restaurants and meeting these chefs and these sous chefs and the whole, the whole culinary, you know, in Montreal, the scene is really nice. But for me, like I'm, I live in the country. I, I don't really have any interest in going into the city. Um, and so I'm like, and then the food scene is developing where I'm, where I'm at and I want to be a part of that. So for me, it's pretty natural to, to do what we're doing. It's a big, big project. It's going to take a lot of time to manifest, but, uh, growing year round also is a passion. I just published a book about that and I'm, I've learned so many, so much over the years. Now I'm putting all of this together in a new context and I'm, I'm getting some support to develop new ways of farming year round. And that's something that I'm really excited about. The books that you've written, I guess it's a little bit like the courses, right? You're trying to come up with a, a model that works to educate. So people know me or of my work because of my book, The Market Gardener. Um, I published that in 2012. And that The Market Gardener is a how-to book on small-scale vegetable farming on you know two acres or less farming without a tractor, um, doing a lot of succession cropping. And, and the whole thing was about sharing the principles, the practices that made my farm financially successful, but going into some details about how to organize the farm. So it's a, it's a beginner's book, especially for people who want to get into farming, don't have a lot of money. They read that, it's accessible, you can do it, you can go to farmer's market. And my book really comes into play and is educating people about how to go about it and not go too far off. And so that's how people got to know me. And I, I toured a lot with the book, teaching what we were doing. Eventually that translated into me not wanting to travel anymore. So that became filming the masterclass. So that took five years. And now with the winter farming handbook, what I wanted to do was, again, share what I've learned over four season farming, the ways to do it, what we've learned. And the title of that one is? Uh, the Nordic, uh, it, it's actually going to be the Nordic uh, winter harvest book, handbook. Okay, but the French title is? C'est le maraîchage nordique. Okay. Yeah, we're a I'm actually translating it right now in English and uh, it's gonna come out with New Society Publisher probably next, next spring or next next spring I think that's great and uh, have you noticed uh, like l I guess take me back to when you were a student at McGill and where the movement was back then compared to now 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the same hopes and aspirations are, are there today. Like I, you know, I, I'm 44 now, so it's actually, I'm kind of removed a bit from, from university. I mean, we have a lot of interns and apprentices that come to the farm, so I kind of get a vibe for that, but, um, but did, did you think you were going to go into farming when you were studying at McGill? I was studying at the MSC, the McGill School of Environment. Um, and for me, it was about ecology, environmental science. It was about activism. It was about fighting, you know, for a better future. And farming became how that manifested for me, having my hands in the ground. I didn't know nothing about farming when, when I was at university. I had never been on a farm. My parents weren't hippies, you know, it's just farmer's market weren't around. It just wasn't a thing back then. There was the people's potato at Concordia and that got me into food politics and that got me educated on these things. And then from there I learned, but it was really when I started to work on a farm in New Mexico that I really, I really got it how small scale farming is really changing the world by making communities more resilient by having a lifestyle that I liked and, and that was really my first my you know my motivation to, to keep on farming and then over the years it's been such a interesting challenge to learn new things to apply them the great thing about farming it's never easy but it's always there's there's you can see the results it doesn't take five years it's like you seed something you you know you harvest it and then you sell it and then the way you organize your things you can you can be creative you can play with your piece of land you can move rocks around you can build a pond you you can build a greenhouse you learn how to work with tools it's it's there's a lot of parts involved there's your brain there's your heart there's your skills there's your hands and then there's the reward because when you go to farmers market then you meet people so it's very social also so for me it was really uh, you know that that made made it even if it's hard financially in, in some times, it made it worthwhile and still today. Like, you know, I've started a tool company, I've started an online course. Like I said, I've started different adventures, a software company for people that want to learn how to crop plan, and I'm in, invested and involved with these projects. But for me, if I'm not farming for real, it all of this doesn't really make any sense. I like the I like the rapid reward effort of farming. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the Quebec scene, um, for you, it seemed like you came in at the right time in terms of you know the media wanting mm -hmm. to pay attention and um, these opportunities and so on. Um, you know what, what? What would you say about the the Quebec scene in that respect? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think it was, you know, there's you're always building on the shoulders of other people. So there's definitely people like Jamie Quinn and Nora Quinn. There's there's always people before us that had paved the way. With my friends from Tomasal Farm, you know, we were at university together, and and that's 20 years ago, and and we're still friends. And they've made amazing projects, seed farms, their farms. Uh, but I think at that at, when I came into the public scene, it was ripe. But I came in with a different attitude, not a good attitude, a different attitude. I wasn't complaining about what wasn't working. I was being very enthusiastic about 
something that was working and that was alive. People following in our leads, starting really smaller farms, um, and then really pushing that and showing that people were successful. I had a TV show on for two seasons, showing the work that we were doing, how brilliant it was. And, what was it called? Uh, Les Fermiers. It was, uh, it's still playing on Uni, so it's on public uh, TV. Uh, you know, Thursday night, 8 o'clock. It's primetime TV, and it's a, an hour of slow, slow TV of, of cameras following us, like prepping big orders for the chefs, going into the restaurants, talking with the chefs, getting feedback, coming back to the farm. Make, it's, it's really, and that really got people interested because I wasn't there complaining about Monsanto. I wasn't complaining about this, the government, the MAPAC. I was just showing, hey, this is happening. This is cool. This is where you want to get your food from. And these are the bright young kids that are, you know, pushing this, this revolution. And I think that really caught the attention of a lot of people. And that's the, the Growers & Co. magazine that I, that I gave you. That, that's what it is. It's a magazine where we showcase how beautiful and really intelligent and really important the work of a lot of young and not so young people in, in the farming scene is. And you were saying today in your talk that um, it was funny that a lot of these um, skills or, or, or ways of growing can be traced back, at least in, in the farming you do, to, to France. Yeah. And But you've gone over there and been celebrated as, as <laughs> yeah. somebody doing these things, but, but really uh, you, you kind of learned them maybe from Elliot Coleman, and Elliot Cohen, Cohen learned them from... The French. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a... Uh, and if people are listening to this, if there's one kind of interesting tidbit I can say is like anything pre-World War II is definitely worth studying with regards to farming because that's really when the chemicals came into play and that's really when mechanization of tractors, these were all developed after tanks and the chemical industry that was involved with the, the warfare, the nitrogen for, for the bomb, that's what became the fertilizers. And so if you study farming books that predates, you know, 1940, it's, there's a lot of really interesting keys there. And so the old French book, the old English books, even the old American uh, uh, books on farming. And for me, anytime I would go to France, I go to those libraries and I have access to farming books written in the 1800s where they're doing exactly what we're doing because they didn't have tractors. And, you know, up until the 20s, they were almost n n not mechanized and then in the, in the in 1910, 19, they started to have two-wheel tractors, smaller tractors. But all the tools that I use on my tool shed, they're the same. Hose, broad forks. But, and you don't use animals and there was some animal use, I guess, back in those days. No, to, no, to, the no. market, the original market gardeners were farming two acres and that was it. No need for animals. No, but they yeah. did no time yeah. because they didn't have uh, greenhouses then. They had cloche, so they were individual, uh, you know, uh, cloche. They're the size of a bowl. They would put over the lettuce. They were glass bells, so each lettuce would have a glass bell over it. That's how they would protect them from frost or grow them earlier. 
or even from bugs, I guess? Uh, mostly for weather because okay. they wanted to they wanted to supply the Paris market mm. year round and they did. Like Paris in the eighteen hundred was fully supplied year round by thousands and thousands of small farms. And that was like a, a, town, a, a city of four million. Right. And that was pre-trucking, pre-trucking things, goods from, you know, pre-refrigeration. So when I say that the answers are in the past, and these thousands of small farms were highly, highly, more productive than, than my farm. Because they had developed skill sets that even today are unmatched. So Elliot Coleman was studying that. And then he put a lot of that in his game plan. You know, I, his game plan is what I took when I started. And then I developed my own stuff. And, but when I started to go back to France and reading his older books, it's been really enlightening in the last few years to, to learn from that. And Elliot had a family connection back to France? No, uh, I, I don't know if he would listen to this, but I think he had a, he had a woman that he really liked in Paris. He, he, kept, he keeps saying me, Paris is the only city I liked. And one day, I, he, he's told that, me that so many times, and I'm like, why? He said, oh, there was this girl <laughs> that he really liked. <laughs> and how, that's how the world goes sometimes. There you go, for sure. Um, we, we're definitely in a, in a time period. We've, we've had a pandemic. We're in a period where inflation is going up. Um, people are starting to realize that maybe the food supply isn't so uh, dependable, especially when it's coming from halfway around the world. Um, do you feel there's an urgency in terms of food security where people need to, to start being more concerned about growing their own food? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of us that inside we know that what we're doing is important because but it wasn't really relevant but I've known since I'm really in my early 20s that the work that I do in farming really is important for for whatever is going to happen next and now that I'm a bit older I realize that some people are prepared for what's going to happen some people are totally not prepared and that's going to create a lot of civil unrest which I'm really scared about uh, and that's why education on food sovereignty is really, really important because in the next few years, the food that gets trucked in or f flied in from all over the world, it's going to be so expensive and people will have less cash that it's going to become impossible for this system to keep on going. So we're going to naturally need to come back to something that's more local. And that's an opportunity to... to to just live differently, more more in line with how things grow here in Quebec. And Quebec has the potential. It has the agricultural land, but so much of the land is used to grow corn to feed to animals. Yeah. So do you or have tractors? Right. To make fuel with the corn. Right. Which is nonsense. Right. So I mean, I think if a transition needed to occur, the land is there. Would you say? The land is there. Um, I'm not sure the seeds are there. That's that's a big big issue. So that would involve us being much more aware of how to save seeds. The land is there. The water can be a problem. Um, so having farming techniques where water conservation is important. And also just kind of 
reinventing how people shop. Like the supermarkets are not going to be, they're going to be filled with mostly industrial things. All the fresh food won't be there at one point, in my opinion. Or it's going to be from factory farms, hydroponic farms, that, you know, you don't want to eat that food because all the nutrients are not, are not in the food. It's even worse than, than, than uh, industrial farming outside. So anyway, I, I see these shifts that are going to occur. And I'm not discouraged by them. I just feel that's like a, it's an evolution of, it's like a one step backward, you know? Mm. It's kind of funny. Like mm. we're going to come back to something that's more common sense. On a human scale. On a human scale yeah. and on a natural scale, like mm. cycles. Like for me, the most revolutionary young person today is, because there's a lot of issues that you can be working on, but <laughs> like Dan was saying, you know, you can be changing your food habits today, just like that. And eating in season for me is really an act of, you know, uprising. Yeah. It's a, it's a direct action. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense. And that's what we need. We need to make sense of, of whatever's there. And then nature is, is never wrong. And, and eating in season is, is a celebration. It's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like stretching, you know, stretching. You can't overstretch. You know, it's always good. And some people never stretch. Some people stretch a little bit. Some people stretch a lot, but it's 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 kind of a positive thing you know absolutely do you you know what what keeps you motivated every day to continue to do what you're doing that's a great question uh, i'm really motivated by <clears throat> the first reason why i got into farming like i've like i said you know i've i've done many things i had a tv show i i, I toured the world teaching uh, started a tool company a magazine writing books and 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 was there a need to start the tool company like, yeah there yeah. was a need to start the tool company because a lot of the tools that i use aren't available and so a lot of people especially uh gardeners home gardeners were like well where do you get those shoveling hose where do you get well they, they come from switzerland where do you get this broad fork well you know it comes from wherever it's like why don't we make them here so we started to build those tools here in quebec distribute them under the brand Growers & Co., which was a project that I had in my heart for so long. And then there's a clothing company because a lot of the clothes that we use in the field, they're, they're, they should be functional, but they're not. And so we started to design clothes. And, uh, you know, people should check it out. It's a really cool company. Uh, but today, you know, I'm really interested in spending more time myself by myself in the garden. Um and so that's what I'm doing. Nice. Well, thank you so much for talking yeah. to me today. Pleasure. So you've been listening to an interview here on Ecolibrium with Jean-Martin Fortier, who is a celebrated farmer and author, author of books like The Market Gardener. And uh, Jean-Martin, of course, is well known for uh, his work with Ferme des Quatre Temps, or FQT, all of these things about Jean-Martin can be found out by going to his website, which is jeanmartinfortier.com. And Growers and Company, they are also a great place to go and whether it's get the, the magazine or the tools or the clothes that are specially designed for farmers or market gardeners, that's at growers.co. 
So that's growers.co. And there's a lot there. And you can find links also from Jean-Martin Fortier's website, jeanmartinfortier.com. So yeah, so that's that's a look at Jean-Martin's work. So you've been listening to the Ecolibrium Radio Podcast with your host, Ryan Young.